Welcome back to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn, and I'm here with Becca Petunia from the Muppet fan site Tough Pigs and the Muppet Quiz Show Podcast Hubba Hello, Becca. Nice to have you here. Hey there. Uh, I'm I'm glad to be here. I was <laughs> kicked out of the wedding, so I'm glad that I'm at least uh, <laughs> least somewhere. Yeah, this is Act Two of the 2007 Wedding Spectacular Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, where we finally have the Silver Surfer in focus in a scene. We are in orbit. This is kind of the first time we get a real good look at him. He looks out into space and he says, your herald summons you. Another world awaits. Let it be done quickly. I have many questions about Silver Surfer. I have many answers about Silver Surfer. If he's a herald, who is he heralding to? Is he trying to communicate? Like, does being a herald, does that mean that he is trying to communicate to somebody that this is a thing that's going to happen? It's his job to be an advanced scout for Galactus and help Galactus find worlds that have the energy Galactus needs. Right. Okay. That's so that's my, that's another question is just what are the criteria for this? Have energy. Does that mean people life? No, doesn't mean life. It means energy. What could that possibly mean? It's about this Calvin ball bullshit that we're supposed to pretend is, you know, but everything, like the Bible. everything has energy. Well, yes. Right? Everything has, you know, kinetic energy and, and what could that possibly mean? The Silver Surfer is also supposed to tell the people, like you said, mm-hmm. if there is life on the planet, he is supposed to tell them that Galactus is coming. Which he does not do. Well, he does it by like... Eventually. Well, see, this is kind of vaguely where I'm like, is this what the holes are? That there's kind of like a signs and wonders kind of thing. It is crazy unclear what those... So he's building these enormous pits in the earth. It's not... We don't find out really like how far that goes down. Like if it's supposed to like go all the way to the center of the earth, which obviously it doesn't. But yeah, it's not clear kind of what they're... What he's actually up to. Basically, the the thing is Jack Kirby just drew it. Like I know that that's a little thing. It's It was 1966 and it was Fantastic Four number 48 and... The Marvel method at the time was that Jack would just draw stuff and send it to Stan. And then Stan would have to, like, write dialogue that explains what the hell is going on. And so the legend is, at least, that they received the art for this issue from Jack for Fantastic Four number 48. And there's just a guy surfing through the clouds. And Stan is like, what the hell is this? Why are... how do I... what? And it was just like a thing that Jack wanted to draw that he thought would look good. You know, Jack had this big fascination with the idea of surfboards in the sky, I guess. Because <laughs> later, of course, in New Gods, we would get Black Racer. Oh, is that right? Does he? Who has skis that he uses to fly <laughs> through the sky. Which is even dumber. So actually, I oh, think we got well, lucky the, on Silver The Star. dumbest of all, and this is a Roy Thomas creation, and... Roy Thomas and I have a beef, but later Roy Thomas would try to ca- recapture the glory of Silver Surfer with a space ice skater named <laughs> Gard, spelled G-A-A-R-D, who looks like a hockey goalie and can ice skate through space. And if it was the 90s, you would have a skateboard. Yeah, they didn't do the Silver Skater. <laughs> that would have been so great. The Silver Surfer is the herald of galactus and that is that is his job is to find planets and also tell them you know 
Which he does not do in this movie. Stan and Jack absolutely conceptualized, and I think they've both kind of claimed that it was their idea. So mm-hmm. who knows? Stanley loves taking credit for things. Jack Kirby loves being angry. And <laughs> the idea is that Galactus is God. Is he? 100%. Okay. Not God that we know. Like, Stan and Jack claim that the the seed of this idea that led to this comic was, yeah. what if the Fantastic Four fought God? <laughs> was, the, was like the elevator pitch. Because That's at crazy. this point, the Fantastic Four had fought literally everything else to fight <laughs> was the idea. Yeah. So why not fight God? Is the Silver Surfer Jesus? Later, I feel like that kind of gets boiled in. But remember, Stan and Jack are a little too Jewish for that. Yeah. Silver Surfer is an angel. Oh, and there's a heralding angel, right? Right. And in, in Hebrew, the word angel is the same as the word messenger. Oh, I was I was desperate for you to say surfer. Yes, the ancient Israelites, they were <laughs> always surfing. What was Moses doing but making two sick waves for them to shred? <laughs> Oh, that's my favorite moment in the podcast. You want to talk about pacing. Mm-hmm. In this original run, when they're establishing what it is that a Silver Surfer does, they are spending 40 total comic book pages on this. Yes. On both the Silver Surfer and Galactus, the Silver Surfer coming, the Silver Surfer learning that Earth is good, right? stopping Galactus, on Uatu the Watcher explaining the history of both of them, on Reed building inventions, on Ben fighting the Punisher, not the one you're thinking of, but Galactus's <laughs> other sidekick, a robot named the Punisher. All of this happens in 40 pages. And I'm sure every single panel, there is something dynamic happening. They are mm-hmm. looking at something, they are punching at something. It's very exciting. This is not how this movie works. Oh, no. This movie is very, very still. And it is still happening. We have some important man talk to get through. The men are getting together to talk things over. I don't know why in 2007 they have not yet figured out how to make women active participants. It is still a struggle for superhero movies. It's funny. I was about to say, I was listening to this podcast that was talking about this, and then I realized it was your podcast. When you were talking about the X-Men First Class, which is even Mm -hmm. later than this... And, like, how they could not conceptualize that women, and I guess people who aren't sexually attracted to women, would want to watch a superhero movie. So just any time a woman is on screen, she takes her top off in that movie. Yep. So the men are talking. The men are talking. Johnny describes the Silver Surfer, and Reed believes him. So the way that they explain this is that the Silver Surfer has the power to convert matter and energy. True. And it is randomly affecting matter. True. Sort of. As always, in every movie, if you say the word energy, your sentence stops making sense, but that's fine. He's doing a thing that we can track is the important thing. And the mean general says we need to find it and destroy it. And so Reed says he's going to build some uh, some sensors to figure out where the Silver Surfer actually is. The important thing really has happened outside in the hallway where Sue is unhappy. Events are not trending in the direction that Susan Storm would prefer. She didn't get to have her wedding. It's Reed's fault that a helicopter crashed into her <laughs> wedding, I guess. she's Well, she's okay. She says that she's not mad that he built the sensor, and that comes as a big relief. But she does have 
some lady concerns, which I will. So I wrote this down. See, this proves exactly what I've been saying all along. We can't even have a wedding without it turning into World War III. The earth is about to die. And she's upset about this. He says, I know, but once we're married, everything will be back to normal. And she says, we will never have normal lives as long as we do what we do. How could we possibly raise a family like this? So she wants them to give up saving the world while they are currently saving the world. She wants to give that up so that she can have kids and live in the suburbs. I believe the action figure is dream squashing Sue Storm. If I could give some parenting advice to Susan Storm, um, the way that you can have a kid while still having adventures is to pay for child care, such as <laughs> if you did in the comics, hiring a witch to take care of your son in her haunted mansion, <laughs> which is true. If you know Agatha Harkness from WandaVision, she gets her start in Fantastic Four comics by being their son's nanny. I did not know that. All right. That's very interesting information. <laughs> Correct. That's amazing. Fantastic Four, you are as nutty as could be. Johnny does not feel well. He goes into the balcony. He's trying to flame on. He falls on his face. We've all been there. We've all been there. Sue comes out and tries to reassure him, and she touches him, and she bursts into flame. And now she is a naked, floating, burning lady. Yeah, well, you know, again, like I said, this, and like I was saying about X-Men First Class, this movie really wants to make sure that because Sue is an attractive woman and Jessica Alba is an attractive actor, mm -hmm. like, they need to make sure that she's naked at least once. Yes. And this is that scene. And they do. She has caught being on fire from Johnny, from contact with Johnny. They have now switched powers. Not a power of the Silver Surfer. Right, to be a, to, to touch you and make your powers get all weird. Yeah, no. She is squealing. Help, help, I'm on fire. Uh, she's trying to talk to Reed. She is just not enjoying this experience whatsoever. Superhero movie New Yorkers are standing there, and obviously they just crowd around and look. There's a, a burning person who's above you and might actually fall on your head. Well, they think it's the Human Torch, and I'm glad, listen, I'm glad that they're very accepting. There's no reason that the Human Torch, you know, again, I'm trans. Maybe they think the Human Torch is trans now. Yeah. But no, it's not the Human Torch. It's screaming, help, help, I'm on fire. Reed comes out and gives them some instructions, which is maybe if you touch Sue again, it'll go back to normal. And it does. So Sue drops to the sidewalk. She's completely naked, face down on the sidewalk. And everyone crowds around and two guys with cameras take pictures of her because this is how we treat women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Women in superhero movies. She just needs to cry more pretty. One thing that actually I think is nice about the film is that in Acts 2 and 3, they actually do use their powers a lot, which weirdly is not super common in a lot of the movies that I've watched so far. Yeah. It takes a long time usually to, to get them to turn on their powers. But here there's going to be like a bunch of different action sequences. And even beyond action sequences, it's really nice, again, that they will so passively use their superpowers mm -hmm. is something that I really like. Yeah. Reed will be always reaching at things using his stretchiness. And they do a lot of like comedy bits where, again, like he'll bump into something and he'll flatten out. Mm hmm. 
and she uses an, an invisible force field to, to stop him from walking away in the middle of a conversation. I do like it that they did a lot of that. I mean, the first movie probably does even more of that. There's the scene where Johnny is making Jiffy Pop on his hand. And it's like, I don't know. That's fun. I like <laughs> right? that. It's what I would do if I had superpowers. And that's very like that's mm-hmm. very true to Fantastic Four, like the originals, where they are just delighted that they can do all these weird things. And Jack Kirby figures out mm-hmm. all the weird things that they could possibly do, including things that they couldn't do, but they do anyway. Well, if they involve magnets, then they can do anything. Well, it's, it's fire. They have such a hard time with the fire where Johnny is like, I'll create a lasso out of fire and pull something toward me, but without burning it. Like, that's not a thing you can do with fire. But then here's the scene where Johnny and Ben switch powers, which is a comedy scene, which I actually enjoy. Yeah, no, I think it's funny. Yeah, Reed's checking out his molecules and say that there's in a constant state of flux and you must have switched powers with Sue and Ben just gets very excited about that. They tell him like, no, this is awful. Like it could be a degenerative disease. And he says, yeah, but it could be fun. And so he touches Johnny and now Johnny turns into the thing and then Ben has flame powers, which he is delighted with. Can I just also say, you know, we... Michael Chiklis as Ben is the only actor we haven't really talked about yet. No, we haven't, because he hasn't had anything to do. This is actually his first big scene. Uh, But he has a lot to do in the first one, so maybe that's why. But, like, I don't know. I really like his version of Ben. I really like his performance. I think he's clearly having fun with it. Yeah. He's a little restricted Mm -hmm. by the costume, and some of his voice is sometimes a little even hard to understand. But, like, I don't know. He's having fun. I will also say, and and maybe this shouldn't be hard for you to believe, but like, because I write for Tough Pigs, I really like the suit. And I I think that they they chose correctly by putting him in a suit rather than trying to do it CGI. A practical suit. I feel yeah. like he doesn't look necessarily realistic, but at the same time, <laughs> you believe he's always in the scenes and interacting with things because he is. Yeah. Well, the first, the thing about Ben, especially in the early Fantastic Four comics, is just Ben is sad all the time. And he's so cute. He's very emo. He's like this, this huge crushing monster who's so strong, but inside. I mean, the next, the next issue after the coming of Galactus is this man, this monster, the issue where, where they grapple with this. Yeah. In these movies, he solves that problem at the end of the first movie. By dating Alicia. Yeah. And now, I mean, now he has Alicia, and I think that's the thing that they keep returning to and mentioning all the time, that, like, Ben actually has a decent life because he's with Alicia. But yeah, it's like, you you gave him a full arc in the first movie, so now he has no arc. Yeah. And they don't bother to write one for him. Nowhere to go. Yeah. So Johnny is the thing now, which I gotta say, I am not opposed to. Chris Evans, even bigger in a super tight t-shirt with a new desktop theme. Like, I could look at that some more if they wanted me to. I'm a little disappointed it only lasts as long as it lasts. You're finally <laughs> showing me something I want to look at. We wasted all that time in, in the wedding, and I could have, we could have had a whole Tumblr blog about that. But these are the best toys. Like, I think that this actually, like, Johnny switching powers is a toy-driven idea. Because they want a moment at the end when Johnny has all four powers, and yes, they do make the toys where Johnny has all of the powers. They even make a toy. We'll talk about the toys later, but like even they even make a toy where Mr. Fantastic has all the powers, which he does not in the movie at all. So, yeah, it it feels very much like a toy driven, like you said, like yeah. There's no 
and that's not an insult for me necessarily. It just again in a movie, the Silver Surfer is again just such a complicated idea, and there's so much potential for interesting, yeah, Silver Surfery things that it kind of feels weird that they're like, no, but we need the Doom plot, and also we need the Switching Powers plot. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely it crowds the the Surfer out of having really anything. And to it's do. not like you can just be simple and be like, oh, you know, the audience knows it's a Silver Surfer. The audience knows what that means. <laughs> This is when the dream is over, when Reed promises Sue that after this crisis, we'll leave it all behind. I'll go, we'll move to the suburbs. I'll go work at a university and we'll raise a family. And she is just absolutely thrilled. She's like, you would do that? Because her greatest dream, like all women, Mm -hmm. is to destroy the dreams of others. So she's thrilled. We're going to stop. We're going to stop saving things. So that's the thing that's going on. Well, here's where Dr. Doom, we've got some interesting comic book action at last because we are in the Arctic, I suppose. And the Silver Surfer is making another huge crater, kind of just like dissolving it, dissolving the world and creating this crater. I don't really get the craters. No one else is there, which I think is interesting. Like nobody else is concerned about this. But Dr. Doom shows up in his hood and his mask and his attitude. And he wants to talk. He he, he has a sales pitch, which he believes in, where he says, like, you've been very busy and your talents are impressive. And we should work together because everything we want is for the taking. I mean, he needs a lot of holes just drilled around his house. So he's hoping <laughs> right. that the Silver Surfer can help him out. Yeah, this is going to be a thing that I can monetize. Doom's been trying to get some gardening done. And he was hoping <laughs> right. that the Surfer could do that. Just come to Latveria. But the Surfer gives him the depressing news that all that you know is at an end. And he tries to fly away. And so Doom shoots him with electrical powers. And the Surfer gets pissed off. And shoots him back. Which is Doom's thing in this movie series is that he mm-hmm. has electrical powers, like he's yes. Black Lightning or Pikachu or something. <laughs> Not a thing in the comics. Reed has some bad news about the Earth. So here's where we find out the thing that's actually like we're halfway through the movie and we now find out what the actual plot of the movie is. Reed has an impossible update that he has figured out and he announces I've been cross referencing the surfer's radiation through every astronomical database. Mm -hmm. And he mentions some random planets with numbers. He's been to those, and now they are lifeless and barren, some even shattered. Everywhere the surfer goes, eight days later, the planet dies. Which means, I am aware of all of these planets around the universe that have life on them. (laughs) Which maybe, maybe the Fantastic Four does know that, but it's a very weird thing to put in the movie. Of just like, as you know... There are all these planets with life on them, and now they're dead. (laughs) Well, again, like, I believe that the Fantastic Four, like, they interact with aliens all the time in the comics. Yeah. But you have to say that. Like, (laughs) Yes. They're like, remember the Skrull planet? Yeah, that's messed up now. No, it's Altair 7. And as if everyone's like, oh, my God, they, they burned Altair 7. We don't have a relationship with Altair 7. Also, now we know. That it has been less than eight days since the Silver Surfer has arrived. So I guess we do know how long they were <laughs> preparing totally for their right. wedding. You're which right. was, let me tell you something. No, you don't, you don't do your dress fitting within <laughs> eight days of your wedding. That is true. Well, it's because they've been so busy. So then another thing that doesn't make sense, where Reed says the craters are appearing in a numerical sequence. What? No, they don't show us. What could that even possibly mean? 
they can't even be bothered. I assume he means like, if you look at it on a map, it's a pattern. Yeah. They do that in Muppets from Space, <laughs> where they <laughs> yes, show they Gonzo do. a globe with all of the times oh the God. aliens said, are you there? Did they steal this plot point from Muppets from Space? I think you're right. I believe that they did. But like, that's what I assume he means. They can't even be bothered to show me a globe where right, they, like no. you can follow this spiral. No, he just says it's a numerical sequence, and here's the latitude and longitude. And then we get a ride in a helicopter to more tourist attractions. And like the Muppets in The Great Muppet Caper, all of a sudden, <laughs> yes. here we are in London. Yep. You are totally true. They have been stealing so much stuff from the Muppet movies. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And our next tourist attraction to endanger is the London Eye. One thing, so here's the thing that I actually like in the movie more so about the first movie but also about this is that they do the squabbling where yes. reed and johnny are supposed to be coming up with tactics and instead of doing that now they're having a little squabble about how like reed promised sue that they would break up the fantastic four but they didn't bother to tell johnny and ben about it yet and so they're just kind of like hitting each other back and forth and the general in the one moment that i think the general is worthwhile he says like what the hell is wrong with you people I liked that. Yeah, it's just like because that's so central, as you were saying before, to the to the original concept of the Fantastic Four is like they all are in a bad mood. They're always fighting. There's these big things going on, but then like they'll take a break from it for like Johnny and Ben to be sniping at each other. And so this was this was just a fun moment of like, yeah, they're doing this at a very inappropriate time. And it's just very funny to see that bug somebody. I did love also when, like you said, Ben and Johnny kind of overhear that yeah. Reed and Sue want to break up the team and they're mad that they weren't told directly. But there's a part like where Johnny is like, what are we going to do? Do this thing with just the two of us? And it's funny because there was a series called Two in One that started in like the late 60s, early 70s, that was a Ben and Johnny team book. That was the two of them without, uh, <laughs> without, without the other two. Yeah. They were the fan favorites, obviously. Right. So. Yeah, because who even cares about Reed and Sue? God, wouldn't that have been great in this movie if Reed and Sue didn't appear? <laughs> yes. What a better movie this would have been. Oh, my God. Don't even get me thinking about that. The surfer's making a big crater in the middle of the Thames, which is very picturesque. And superhero movie Londoners are not like superhero movie New Yorkers. <laughs> Because they actually see a thing and try to run away from it. Whereas superhero movie New Yorkers will just stand and look at it. But London Eye has fallen apart and Sue and now everybody finally has an action sequence where they all get to use their powers. It is so late in the movie for this to happen. Mm -hmm. But Sue finally she uses her force field to keep the Ferris wheel up. And there are, are like three people who are still trapped inside of it. So we got to save those three people. And then Ben is holding it up. And Reed ties it up with his body, and they get all the people off the Ferris wheel. Surfer flies away, and Johnny tries to follow and accidentally touches Reed and switches powers. The eye is starting to fall. Johnny is just on the ground being completely useless. Sue and Ben are struggling. And so Reed actually uses the torch powers to re-weld the joint. So he's so the torch powers would have been useful right now, except like Obviously, in this case, that would not actually work or do anything, but fine. No. But what they're saying is, like, we can actually get this job done. I'll and, buy it. I mean, it's super here. It's cute. Logic. No, it's really cute. This, yeah. this scene is fine. Yeah. 
So Johnny's on the ground and everything's okay, but Reed is mad. They switch back. They switch their powers back. And then Reed tells Johnny, stay back before you get somebody killed. Which is such a Woody and Buzz moment. It's like, oh, now Woody has made Buzz sad. And then the whole rest of the movie needs to be about how how Buzz emotionally copes with this and comes out triumphant. And so that's what's happening right now. And then Victor's here, which I love. So now everybody's talking to the general. And he says, I'm going to bring in some help. And there's Victor all healed up in a black leather jacket, even sexier this time. Here he is. He's back. And it's one of those supervillain ta-da moments that I really love. It's like, last time we saw him, he was handcuffed to a chainsaw-wielding piranha monster. There's no way he survived that. And then the villain arriving by parachute. But I did! Ta-da! Which is great. No explanation necessary. Here's Victor just being mean. He's just going to be mean for the whole rest of the movie. Well, Andre Brower Mm -hmm. thinks that Victor is going to be a better choice to solve this problem than yes, Reed. because he recently was a, a terrifying masked metal monster. Yeah, who murdered several people in yes. the, the last time he was around. But yep. they're like, I don't know, he's fine. Yeah. They all go to a, to a movie theater somehow where Victor shows off his recording of his encounter and they make up some science talk where they figure out that the the energy of the Silver Surfer originates in the board. And if we can not, separate him from the not board, how the Silver Surfer this is works. not a thing? No. But they're using the word energy. <laughs> the, board is, the board is part of the Silver Surfer. <laughs> but because they say the word energy, they can do anything they like in this movie. And so now that's the plot, is that we're trying to, we're trying to figure out how to separate the Silver Surfer and the board. But they still don't know. Like, they know that every time the Silver Surfer shows up, eight days later, the planet dies. Yeah. We know because we, we've we heard of Galactus. Yeah. This movie is almost half over, yeah. and we haven't established what the threat is. Yes. Do they actually say Galactus at all in the whole movie? He Surfer does. At the end? No, it's, it's, it's... Oh, it's when he's all tied up and he says what's coming. Yeah, in, in as my fiance wants me to call it, a uh, surfer Gitmo. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Reed is stressed out. He's trying to figure out what's going on. This is just another sad girl scene where Sue walks up and she's like, it's okay. And she gives him a little massage and she tells him to relax. She's being an influencer who's into like yoga and meditation. And that is the way that she contributes in this movie. And in this is just straight up sitcom where she says, I can feel your pulse slowing down. And that makes him realize, a pulse, a tachyon pulse. Honey, I love you. And kisses her. Straight up sitcom. It's amazing that the the people who wrote this movie were even allowed to write a, a movie screenplay. Now Victor and Reed are peering at screens, and therefore they are working. Reed shows the general that if they can do a tachyon pulse, it will make the surfer powerless, like a fish in a net. I can narrate. Becca just shrugged. This is an audio medium, but... Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) But she just shrugged. So they have to build a machine that will remove the Silver Surfer's powers. Mm -hmm. Let me just quickly talk about this is this the origin of this in the comics, which is about five or six issues after we first meet the Silver Surfer, Mm -hmm. they do a plot where Doctor Doom gets the Silver Surfer's powers and board 
and uses them to try to take over the planet. Mm. And this movie, again, feels like throwing that in as another plot, even though we haven't done the first Silver Surfer (laughs) plot yet. How do you get rid of the Silver Surfer's powers? Well, in Marvel Comics, you do have to hit him with a really strong energy machine, just Mm -hmm. like this. It's actually hilarious. The way that Doom does this in that comic is he needs to sneak up behind the Silver Surfer and hit him with what look like defibrillator pads. Oh, that's crazy. The way that he does that is he convinces the Silver Surfer that he's nice (laughs) in an issue that is incredibly funny to read. The Doom convinces the Silver Surfer. That's very (laughs) sitcom. Where it's like, I have a terrifying mask and a hood, but I'm actually nice. And then like Silver Surfer is like, why are you so mean to your servants? And he's like, oh, you don't understand. I'm not being mean. I'm just being like. (laughs) In Latvian culture. Yeah, it really is like that. But anyway, the way that you trick the Silver Surfer is Doom shows the Silver Surfer a photo of space. And the Silver Surfer loves space so really? much that he is that he has to stop and stare slack-jawed at a picture of space. And then Dr. Doom tiptoes up. Doop, 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 doop. <laughs> In his armor. Oh my goodness. And hits him with the pulse. I you know, I could have I could have done this. I could have done this podcast with like Trevor or Ryan. And I am so thrilled that I'm doing it with you because you know all of the things that I that I get desperate to know about this. I'm so glad that I have a use to talk about yeah. Dr. Doom showing the Silver Surfer. Because the Silver hilarious. Surfer, I should say, is sad because he's not allowed to go to space anymore. Oh, no. Oh, that's amazing. Galactus says that he can't go to space anymore. And so you just show him a picture of space. That's that's very beautiful. Well, we are now going to see something that's worth looking at, because here is Johnny and the shower. As you know, the only two important questions about a superhero movie are how much money did it make and how hot are the people? And here is Chris Evans earning his paycheck. Basically recreating something from the last movie in the in the first Fantastic Four movie, the shot that everyone remembers and enjoys is when he's post ski jump hot tub He's in a towel and he's in a hallway and he's kind of like snapping his fingers and and making a flame. And that was the thing, you know, there's only 28% of people liked the movie in general, but the number of people who liked that particular scene was much higher and it included me. And they basically recreate that for the sequel. So here's another hallway in what I think is like a government army lab, but it has a shower in the middle of a hall and I don't know why. But here comes Johnny. Once again, in a towel, coming out of the shower, coming out of the bathroom, he is beautiful and wet, and his body looks even better than last time. And to prove it, they are going to have him pose in a very specific way that shows off exactly how hot his body is to, like, four decimal places. And I love this scene. It's my favorite scene. I feel like we didn't know it at the time, but this Mm -hmm. was his audition to play play Captain America right there. Chris Evans has a destiny. Was like, can you look good shirtless? Yeah. And stand in a hallway. And you know what? He absolutely can. Yeah, he is actually pivotal. I have now figured out through this podcast that the moment that really mattered in superhero movies as far as um, getting the dudes to take their shirts off was 2011. Movies happening before that, it was not necessarily mandatory. 
But 2011 is when they released Thor and Captain America. Mm-hmm. And and it's the first time we get to see Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off, which is the best thing in Thor. And then everybody gets to see Chris Evans, which is basically about how he used to be a skinny runt. And now we have pumped him up using important science to be huge and gorgeous. And that is that is the point where expectations for male beauty rise dramatically in superhero movies. To the point where when Eternals comes out, we need Kumail Nanjiani to be on some sort of crash diet so he can be the world's hottest Kingo. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Will Poulter. Oh, my God. Is he Adam? He is Adam Warlock. Yes. And he's a very he's very good at it, according to me. Okay. I don't know who else has my kinds of standards, but I think he does an excellent job. And so really, and so like Chris, his destiny is to create this male body expectation that is completely unrealistic and that I am in favor of. But then the tragedy is that Captain Ray is there. We're getting back to Frankie Ray, the captain who has said, not interested, the Ice Queen, who we are now melting. He says, were you waiting outside the bathroom to catch me in a towel? And the movie does not make it clear. It is possible that the answer for that is yes. But they have a little moment where he's like, why are you so down on me? And she says, I've read your file. All I've seen is a guy that almost got his team killed. And he says, yeah, I've been a little off my game lately. This is not a game. So Ice Princess, why do they do it? But now Johnny is going to have to grow as a person a little bit so that he will melt the heart of Frankie Ray. (sighs) (laughs) Again, it doesn't have time to juggle all of these plots. No. So, like, we don't see Frankie Ray's heart melt. Nope. It's But it's going to happen, and this is now why. We're in the Black Forest in Germany, and uh, they are jamming a signal with sensors or something. Or no, with the tachyon pulse. I keep forgetting what kind of energy we're using. It's energy. They need to build, put four of them. It's interesting that they need four, but they right, need very four mm-hmm. glass spheres to go in the ground. Mm-hmm. And energy machines. When you have four glass spheres in the ground, that makes the energy. Right. Yes. Yeah, this is how energy works. And then there's the kind of embarrassing scene, in my opinion, where Andre Brower makes fun of Reed. This scene. Oh, my God. Tell me about this scene. So Andre Brower, like, makes fun of Reed and is like, you're not. By the way, I I just want to tell the nice people, Becca just perked up like, I can't believe at the thought of this scene. Please go ahead. Because the funniest thing in this scene is Reed is like, Andre Brower is like, you're a loser and you can't do anything right. And Reed is like, I know who you are. You're the high school jock who just wants to make fun of nerds. Well, look at me. I'm a nerd and I have like 12,000 patents with Uh NASA and I date the hottest woman in the universe. And then Sue Storm is like, do you know how hot I am right now for you? Yeah. Uh, Because he did that. And there's so many things that are hilarious about that. Because first of all, that scene is so obviously like... Somebody's revenge. Revenge of the nerdsy, right? Like this idea of like jocks are always picking on nerds. (laughs) That like I'm not convinced was really a thing. Whether it was a thing ever. That was a thing. Sure wasn't really a thing in like... I, I could testify. 
By 2007, not Maybe really. Maybe not. Yeah, I was out of school for a long time back then. Certainly is no longer a, really a thing today. Right. I mean, not to say that kids don't get made fun of at school because they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a teacher. I see it happen. But yeah. like that if you're smart, that's the worst thing you can be isn't really a thing. But also like. I mean, that's the person who's going to teach you how to how to download torrents. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> so, how it is today. Yeah. Is like, like literally, like you know, the kid in my class who is this nerdy, you know, loves history and stuff, is also the kid who showed everybody how to use VPNs. Yep. So how there can they hate him? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, how can they hate him? Especially, especially if they're, you know, my my uh, computer dies. I got to get a new one now. I got to keep talking to that kid. Yeah, exactly. You, gotta, you have to keep up that relationship. Yeah. But, like, also, I don't believe that Andre Brower is a <laughs> high school jock. Yeah. Again, no. he gives such, like, I am a Shakespearean trained actor <laughs> vibes that it's like, you wrote this line before you cast him. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. And this scene is like, there's other stuff going on, guys. <laughs> like, the planet is going to be destroyed in eight days because of the Silver Surfer for some reason that the audience still doesn't understand. That is true. We are we are burning daylight on this movie that already has been wasting a whole bunch of time. All right, let's go to work. They attack Yon Pulse energy stuff. The team sets up their magic boxes. So the surfer arrives. Here he is. They were right. He was coming to this latitude and longitude. He arrives next to Sue. Because she's a girl. And now it's what? King Kong? It's it's the Beauty and the Beast, where she's going to do the girl emotion stuff. And that is going to work because she's so pretty. In the 60s, in the original run of the comics. Yeah. This does happen in a way. When the Silver Surfer comes to Earth, he spends most of that second issue talking to not Sue uh-huh. about why the earth is beautiful and important, but Ben's girlfriend, Alicia. Oh, man. Starting a short-lived love triangle between those three. And I guess Alicia just loves to date men who are <laughs> extremely dense. I don't mean like... That is amazing. I mean dense, like, sink in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, now I I can't believe I haven't read this issue. I'm going to go and read this issue. They are talking. He tries to explain that he has no choice. She's asking, why are you trying to destroy us? And he says, I am not the destroyer. And then Victor does something mean and shoots a missile at the Silver Surfer. And uh, they arm the Tachyon Pulse thing, and the Surfer actually falls down. And now the surfboard is just sitting there. And Victor shocks the surfer with his electric power and knocks him out. But for a real long minute, they're just kind of leaving the board hanging there. Mm-hmm. It just sits in the in the background, Which just like bothers me so much. That always bothers. And it doesn't me. look interesting because it's just a metal oval. <laughs> Victor wants the surfboard, and Reed is telling him to like hang back and not do that. And then Sue is leaning down over the surfer, like the emotional woman that she is. And uh, and now he is in custody. And so with the Silver Surfer in the custody of these terrible military creeps, that is the second big plot point of the movie. And that means that this is the end of Act Two of Rise of the Silver Surfer. As usual with superhero movies, Act Three is about escaping from and destroying a military facility. Here's what's coming up. Do not get attached to facilities. 
helicarriers exist to fall out of the sky. Facilities exist to be broken into, broken out of, and just generally broken. Yeah, see, I was confused. I, I never actually got around to visiting Altair 7 because I hadn't visited Altair 1 through 6. Yeah, it's, it's too late now. And he shows her a vision. In his tummy. In his tummy, like a Teletubby. If you want to do this torturing thing, he should come in with like a buzz saw or something. Like really give us something to chew on torture-wise. And so just a moment to pay attention to Jessica Alba, who is lying on the street dying in Reed's arms while the director stands over her and tells her to cry pretty. All right, stay tuned for that. Becca, thank you so much. Thank you. And I will see you back here for Act 3 of Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer on the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening. Sue? <laughs>